presents Vampire the Masquerade Hellfire Nights Good evening and welcome to the Bardic College presents Hellfire Nights I'm Raz and tonight I will be your storyteller. Um, we are set to venture to London in the year 1886. And with me, I have some incredibly talented players that I'd love to introduce for you now. Um, playing Evelyn Wolf is Lauren. Uh, Lauren, what can you tell us uh, tonight for our listeners on this first episode uh, about Evelyn? So, Evelyn Wolf, I'm very excited to play her she's been a character that's been cooking around in my head for a couple of months now and i finally get to bring her out so thank you for this opportunity um evelyn is from clan la sombra meaning uh london is a camarilla city as we'll soon discover so she has to behave all the time which is made easy due to the fact that she is she's a necessary evil in london she runs an industry she owns a shipping company, and within the shipping company, I'm going to use a modern expression. She, it's kind of like Vampire Airbnb. So um, vampires use her shipping routes um, and her connections and homes in different cities uh, to travel safely. So I, I'm a vampire travel agent. I'm Vampire Airbnb. If you need to get somewhere, I'm your girl. So I'm a necessary evil in London. You may not want to be my friend now, but you will be eventually. Okay, and that is that is probably true. Um, playing Christina Sumner is Kayla. Uh, Kayla, welcome. And what do we? Uh, what do our listeners need to know so, so far about Christina? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Christina Sumner is a member of Clan Tremere. She is uh, almost three hundred years old, and her sire is Thomas de Pisano, a astrologer. Historically accurate. I did look up historical facts for this. Um, basically, she's joined Clan Tremere because she had a gift for star reading, tarot reading, and now she really just wants to stop being an apprentice. She's been one for a very long time and only wishes to increase her power in London or perhaps around the world. She just loves knowledge. <laughs> All right. So. And joining us uh, next to Kayla is... Mike, and Mike is playing an interesting character. Uh, tell us a little bit about Horatio Jackal, Mike. Yes, uh, Dr. Horatio Jackal is uh, actually not a vampire. He is a human ghoul. Uh, Middle-aged, uh, was studying in London, as a, or practicing in London as a doctor, went abroad to Paris, and uh, came across a Parisian, uh, I guess you would call her British expat, who uh, gave him this elixir that has revived him and, and really kind of fallen in love with her and the idea that the two of them can save the world together. But unbeknownst to him, that was, you know, her blood and some tonic. And he is now her somewhat unwilling, kind of down with it, uh, boy toy. <laughs> A Victorian boy toy. Nice. Yes. <laughs> a, a stuffy, middle-aged Victorian boy toy. Love that. I want one. 
<laughs> okay. And re returning in another character is uh, Melinda. Melinda is playing Simona Della Torre, and Simona's got a past. What can uh, what do we need to know about Simona at this point, Mel? So Simona is a member of Clan Toreador. She was born in the year of our Lord, 1514, and served as a lady-in-waiting to Catherine de' Medici, Queen of France. Um, during her time in court, she met her sire, and he turned her, brought her to Clan Toreador, and she has been spending her time traveling Europe, um, painting under different aliases, both male and female, and she has always had a love for the arts. You, If you take her to a museum or an opera or even a walk through a very well-kept garden, she will be your friend. And she just has a love for anything pretty and beautiful. And we'll see how, we'll see how these events change her. We'll see what happens. Oh, there will be change. <laughs> and, there usually is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our final player this evening, uh, last but not least, as they like to say, Paul is playing Ashenbrenner, um, an interesting, very interesting uh, Toreador as well. Paul, welcome. And what do we uh, what do we know, or what do our listeners at home need to know right now about uh, this uh, this struggling artist? Well, for Ashenbrenner, art is so much more than stone and and wires and paint and shellac and wood and everything he's evolved beyond using these things as canvases he uses the bodies living and dead of of the humans because they make so much more interesting noises than marble when a chisel hits it and he's he's really just focused on his art. He he knows that there are politics and meetings and such, but those aren't the things that, that matter or last. A, a meeting will end. Art persists forever. I like that. Art is eternal. Um, and we're going to find out exactly how eternal you're able to keep it <laughs> before <laughs> it, it fades away. Um <laughs> Okay, so the setting is London. The year is 1886. Uh, the month is April. It is um, foggy evening, just beyond 9 p.m. Uh, this prince has formally, over the last several weeks, sent out messengers uh, through various means to let everyone know that lives and functions and works as a kindred or one of their attendants in London proper, that there will be a conclave this evening uh, at the Brompton Cemetery. The time will be 11 p.m. All are expected to attend. Uh, the message actually went out with uh, a very strong wording that let everyone know that there would be no excuses for you not to be at this particular meeting, such is the import of what the prince had to say. So we'll start with uh, just everyone, hopefully deciding that they've the, the call, the summons was in the right wording to make them go, uh, to leave behind the things that normally they take care of. So Evelyn, um, fashionably late on time. How are you? You are you hiring a hansom? What what's the plan to get to Brompton?
Darling, I am taking my own carriage and arriving in style precisely at 11 p.m. Okay. And We were a little early. I made him drive around the block. We arrive at 11 p.m. Excellent. And Christina, um, you actually, I'm going to let you know this, uh, hansoms are summoned and from the Chantry in London, uh, several people make their way into them. So there are three car, three carriages. Um, they walk out first, uh, enter the first carriage. Your father enters with them, shuts the door as you're approaching, looks at you and points to the one behind. Um, so the elder of the Chantry and they will be traveling in the first carriage. Lamps are lit. Um, all the the carriage men of this particular caravan or length of, of horses and carriage, these three men are all dressed very funerary, very formal, uh, not like somebody you'd get during the day, just a regular driver, cabsman. Um, and all the rest of the Tremere load in and settle into the, the different carriages. And as one, they all start to ride away down the road. Dr. Horatio Jackal, um, what is your intention? How are you going to be arriving at Brompton? Oh, why, of course, I, I will have summoned a coach, and it shall take me from my offices at Cambridge, uh, where I've just wrapped up a, my latest amazing lecture in describing exactly how many meters of vein there are in the human body, and, oh, I told a delightful joke to my class, uh, but I, I'm getting off subject. Uh, so I shall take a coach and arrive promptly 15 minutes before the scheduled bell. Excellent. And Simona Della Torre, um, same thing, I'm assuming. A coach from your residency somewhere in London? Well, of course, Bastian and I will be taking our carriage from our manor, and I will be dressing in one of my best gowns, and we will be getting there precisely at 11 p.m. A lot of people on time. Excellent. And Aschenbrenner, how are pulling yourself away, I'm sure, has been difficult this eve, but um, also arriving by coach, I'm assuming? Actually, as it happens, I was already in the cemetery. <laughs> and I start to see everyone gather, and oh, that's right, yes. Okay. That's fabulous. So sure enough, um, about an hour before the group is scheduled to arrive, right right after 10 bells uh, by the church bell that sits half a mile or so on a hill from Brompton Cemetery, um, the bells go off and uh, several kindred or what Ashenbrenner believes are kindred uh, come over and open a certain segment of the cemetery that is gated off with mausole mausoleums and things. And they have torches and they place them, you know, they light these two tall briars that sit up high. They light those that illuminate the way to this particular door. Um, one then takes keys, fiddles about, unlocks the padlock that, that guards the door, and... Uh, stands there with the door still closed behind him, but takes a position of official doorman, whatever. Uh, but that's what he's been told to do. So two at the gates as you arrive to the inner part of the cemetery for those coming up by coach, uh, and one formally at the door. Uh, the first one to arrive uh, are the clan of Tremere. They do come again as one. 
the carriages start rolling up. They're here a few minutes before 11. Other vampire, other kindred have wandered in. Um, several other attendants have also been, uh, you know, arriving. So uh, the Tremere, again, exit. Carriage one, the second carriage waits. Then the cat, that gentleman who's driving that handsome opens the door. He helps everybody descend. And then the third carriage. So it's definitely a pecking order that can be seen. They move as one group, uh, two by two through the gates to the door. Uh, the door has two torches pointing downwards, encircled by these snakes. Um, it's a very interesting symbology. Um, Christina, go ahead and let me. Ha let's have the first roll of the evening. Um, why don't you give me an intelligence roll with, um, let's see. And let's do intelligence just up front. And if we need to add something to it, like the occult, we can. You can actually do both. Intelligence and occult is your dice pool. So add the dots okay. together and then roll that many d10s for me. All right. So I have five in occult and four in intelligence. Nine d20s. D10s. Or, or d10s. Yep. Yep. All right. So one, two. All right. I got a 56. Okay. That's the total score. But how many dice rolled yep. over six? Oh, uh, six. Okay. Six out of the nine. And how many ones? Any? No. Okay. So more than enough of a success. So in Vampire, for anyone who's listening who's never played the game and maybe joining us because you've been with other podcasts, um, Vampire rolls a little differently than Call of Cthulhu. Uh, it's pools of 10-sided dice. Sixes and higher are always a success. Tens are a critical success, and a one is a critical failure. As long as you have more successes than you have misses, um, you've succeeded in a task. So that's pretty much the basis of how we're going to roll. So... No problem. The Tremere's walk up, see the door. Uh, Christina, immediately in your head, you realize that the torches facing downward uh, reflect um, the Catholic um, ceremony of excommunication when they snuff out someone's life and the, the light is then discarded. Um, and the snakes represent, you know, the idea of serpents in the grass, um, adversaries, so, translation, possibly, eternal adversaries, uh, a meeting place of eternal adversaries, whatever it is. But as you approach, the door does, he does, the gentleman swings the door open. He nods, bows as your group attends through. Others are lot have queued up behind you. Um, the fire is, is burning. The night is getting cooler. There's a slight drizzle. And not too far back, Dr. Horatio Jackal arrives. Oh, yes, it's quite an interesting location for a conference, but I suppose uh, when in Rome and he'll he'll just walk in following uh, following the other's medical bag in one hand because he's a doctor. He doesn't go anywhere without it. Right. And uh, yes, just taking it all in. OK, you're as you, the group goes in before you, one or two other single individual vampires of varying degree of beauty. Uh, also make their way and begin to descend the stairs. An arm is stretched out in front of you, politely, but definitely barring your way. And the gentleman standing there says, And your master is? 
Ah, uh, yes, uh, Ms. Agnes Sorel, formerly of London, currently residing in Paris, as I uh, send her regards and myself as well. She is honored to be here, and you as her representative. You may pass. Oh, thank you, sir, and continues on his way. All right. Coming in next would be Evelyn Wolf. Evelyn, the carriage pulls up. Uh, yours is probably one of the nicest ones that's been seen by the attendants at the gatehouses, at the, at the front gates. Um, very well accrued, multiple lights on it, you know, very fancy interior, beautiful red uh, leather at the whole bit the stairs you know they come the guy comes over immediately and opens the stairs and helps you down with a hand pass through cane i guess in your possession and you pass through the gates and make your way as you approach the gentleman at the door a deep bow occurs and he says the prince is most honored that you have been able to attend tonight miss wolf thank you darling and i was most delighted to receive this invitation um, I understand that everyone will be in attendance this evening. Absolutely everyone. The announcements this evening are very important, madam. Please, I do not wish to keep you. Your of course, of course. You Thank have you. Your and your name? Space. Gerald, ma'am. Thank you, Gerald. Wonderful evening. She glides into the room. You take the staircase down. Immediately you come to what appears to be, and everyone will see the same thing, uh, a stone slab with some form of an effigy of a child. This was this family's plot at some point or whatever, but the statue is old. The, the effigy itself is old. It's still very crisp in its, in its representation because it's been kept from the elements, but the dates on it are like 1600. The, the child died at like nine years old, and the effigy is a little different. The child is not in repose on its back, it's on its side, and one arm dangles over the side of the crypt, lifeless in stone. And the expression on the child's face is somewhat of anguish. Normal for a child's crypt to have something where the parents would have visited and been reminded of such a traumatic or you know painful exp expression. But this is what you see, and it's the way they wanted it done, or whoever left her here wanted it done. And it strikes a chord with you of your of mortality and the things that it brings so you make your way past it you head downstairs ashenbrenner so i'm assuming business is going to keep you to the very last moment is that correct would i be okay in that assumption i might not be exactly on time but i'm not going to show up too late this Understood. is this was just kind of like i was here already oh you know <laughs> right this is the reminder that yes there was a thing tonight and this is the thing so yeah Okay, so the bells begin to chime. Um, they start they start gro groaning to life. That you get the first bell, your head goes up, oh, and you make your way to the gate. Um, yeah, dust my hands off. You know, scrape some of the you know stuff off my boots. You know, sort of straighten myself out a little bit. But I, I'm clearly I'm not dressed for the ball. But you know, of course, yeah. But but you're hey, you're here. And that's the important. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't say <laughs> dress for the ball. They said to be here. So, you know, uh, yeah. listen, the rules are just to show up. We don't care how we exactly. Work. Yeah. So um, you, and, uh... <laughs> so you do appear at the gate. Um, you do get several looks. You're known uh, at least enough where they recognize your kindred. You pass by. 
there's only about a hundred vampires currently in the London, the greater London area. It's a little over that. So you kind of, unless someone is recently embraced in the last decade, it, and children are very controlled. Childer do not just happen because I fell in love with someone. At this point in Camarilla law, uh, the prince has to be asked. There has to, the, you know, there has to be. There's rules involved. You have to be a good stand member and standing of the organization, or else you're refused. So, the long and short of it is, pretty much most kindred kind of know each other by sight. So you give them a nod and you walk your way in. The gentleman at the door does look at your boots, and uh, looks back into your eyes and looks down at your pants and looks into your eyes, and he says, "Really, Ashenbrenner." Really? Am I here? Excellent. I'm walk right past it. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> okay. And also, I've got a handful in, in one hand. Like, I, I probably wouldn't really be, you know, nodding hey to people. Like, if they really catch my eye, I might, but like, I'm kind of in my own head and mm -hmm. I've got a small handful of shiny black rocks that I'm just kind of just like working around, just kind of thinking out loud with the rocks in my hand. So you're clicking them physically drawing from them like or are you just holding them just kind of holding them and occasionally feeling the weight of them and the shape of them and occasionally you know clicking them not not ostentatiously i'm not right. trying to get attention i'm just i was here for something else and oh yeah that's right while i'm at the store i'll pick up some ham as well very good so as you're this little tete-a-tete -tete has that 10 seconds of beautiful dialogue you make your way down the stairs you also see and and you know recognize the the effigy at the top of the, the the stone slab, you know the child in in this dramatic pose, and you hear carriages several, another carriage pulling up, one or two more behind it outside. But as you descend into the crypt, um, the noises start to fade away. There are torches lit here for everyone's you know who doesn't have the ability to see better at night. Not all vampires can. Uh, that is a myth, obviously. And sure enough, here comes Simona Della Torre and her sire. They get out of another, another very lavish carriage. Several other Toreadors behind them in other carts and carriages, but just happened. wasn't planned that way. Um, they just, you know, showed up a few minutes late. So it's the, the ninth bell goes off. Everyone starts walking up. The people at the gate smile. Most Toreadors, when they come through, are generally radiating some form of base presence just to keep everyone happy and not wanting to hear the shit that we may be running late. So, you know, your sire's throwing off this, this glamour, just, yeah, we're here and the party can start. And sure enough, you make your way. Gerard at the gate nods, Gerald at the gate rather, nods deeply, bows a little bit. He's infatuated as you walk by. The whole clan, you know, the clan moves in. And sure enough, about three or four minutes later, as you've descended, those gentlemen from the front gates come in as well. And the door at the top is shut and barred from the inside. It's not locked. It's just closed over. So if somebody were wandering the cemetery at 11 p.m., they would not happen to walk in and see, you know, roughly 100 people underground. Um, Who would be wandering through a cemetery at 11 p.m.? Oh, I don't know. Somebody I say that would rocks. be most unusual, unless they're my <laughs> students, in which case, extra credit. Good point. So this is the situation that everyone sort of now kind of sees. 
So the conclave is underground. Now, London does have a very heavy water table, um, so it's very high. So deep places underground are fairly rare. And this one is not too deep. It's only about maybe 12 feet below ground. Uh, and it is, this cemetery does have part of it built to a hill. So this mausoleum was able to be constructed in such a way that it had a chamber below and a chamber of good size. The, the pillars, the central pillars line the, you know, the, the, the subfloor where, which is all done in, you know, old stone. Um, everybody can see that, right? I mean, people at home, I'm going to describe it. <clears throat> There's light coming from the back. Uh, there is a Christian symbol done pretty far back. Um, and that is where the prince traditionally enters from. Uh, the stone blocks a small doorway behind it that was very common in the Middle Ages and, and in the 15 and 1600s to have an exit way or entryway blocked by a door, uh, a standing stone fairly close to give the illusion that it was a solid piece of stone, like that there was no exit there. It was camouflaged, if it were. So the masses have gathered. All the primogen from all the clans have moved to the front. Uh, Evelyn, dressed the way she's dressed, is, is close to the front as well. Vampires of <clears throat> different status and reputation kind of know the natural pecking order. Ghouls are off to the one side, lining against the wall. Uh, vampires themselves settle in to their respected place. It's almost as if you start moving forward and realize, yeah, I'm probably among people that I don't normally belong with. So it's, it's this rule, this power of strength that you just begin to sense as you move closer and closer to the front. At about 11.15, sure enough, uh, Kiernan Fraser, uh, who is descended from a Scottish clan and is currently the Prince of London of Clan Ventrue, steps out from behind this Christian symbol, this cross, stands before the gathered throng and uh, just holds up his hand for a moment. People are murmuring. Everyone's glad to see him. Things are going, you know fairly quickly the noise begins to quiet down and he begins to speak thank you all for coming we have not had a conclave of mandatory meeting in 40 years so I realize that all of you must be thinking or wondering exactly what could have brought us all together in this way several things let us start with the lighter notes and then move on from there i have made a decision to close the hellfire club permanently everyone whoa, murmurs no, like not understanding why um, the hellfire club has always been a place where vampires can go to be vampires to do the terrible things that sometimes immortality, boredom, and the monster within craves. And Kiernan is shutting it down, and people are just in a state of shock. The Primogen, all the leaders of the clan seem to be taking it like they already knew this was coming. However, everyone else around is kind of very, very much, uh, you know, very nervous. Everybody go ahead and give me an, a perception 
with alertness. And just let me know if it was a success or failure. Just You can just throw up a thumbs up if it was a success. It's just seeing if everyone kind of gets this recognition. Um, Ash and Brenner, you can just give me a yay or nay. Okay. Simona, you're okay. Christina's fine. If you don't have dots in alertness... Well, you... Then you don't have dots and alertness. You just roll okay. for perception. So, oh, that perception. Mm-hmm. Apologies. One moment. Wow. Ashen Brenner, for someone, for somebody who is uh, very <laughs> in his own head space, is incredibly aware of the situation. God almighty. Yeah. Very nice. I am so aware right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could sculpt it. <laughs> no, you know how this happens. Like it's like shower thoughts. You're distracted, and suddenly, boom! It hits you. So yeah, yeah maybe it's one of those things. Okay. Okay. Um, no one sees any clan Nosferatu among the assembled. There is none of. The, they are not here now. Many of them can wear masks or use abilities, but those of you with auspics in the character background, part of your clan's discipline, have n- are not seeing anything like that. Should you wish to throw a discipline to look deeper, um, just give me a thumbs up. I'm not going to even pro- oppose the roll. We're just going to say that you turn it on and t- look around real quick and turn it off. So if you have auspics and you want to use your level one ausp... Okay. So Simona and Christina, both of you recognize as well, and you, not looking at each other, you've gone and kind of done a quick cursory glance heightening your senses and sure enough there's nobody here um the nosferatus have are don't appear to be in the room but kiernan continues he says my reasons for doing these things are several and i shall explain as all of you here deserve a rec you know an explanation as to why such a thing needs to be done Science. It comes at us like a steam engine, churning ever forward. The mortals have become aware. Photography, chemical analysis, fingerprinting, all of these things conspire to make the mortals aware of our presence and we know as members of the exalted Camarilla that this will not do. We must maintain the secrecy that has kept us safe since the Dark Ages. To do this, we can no longer just murder at will. We can no longer Leave bodies broken in our wake. Slay and torture as our caprices demand. No, that will not do. Now, there are some among my primogen who have been against this decision. He looks over at Elijah Beaumont, the beautiful Tremere primogen, who gives him a look back and then lowers his eyes. He says, Kiernan continues, but at the end of the day, 
we of Clan Ventrue and the rest of the Primogen have decided that this must occur. But fear not. I am not a callous prince. I understand that some of you were not prepared for this, and that this is an ending of a chapter of our lives that have been going on for some time. He says, We are going to have one last gala, one last hurrah, and I am inviting all kindred from across Europe, elders, and Sile, everyone who wishes to attend. A weekend of bliss in October, six months from now. He says, We have decided to allow one clan to be in charge of the revels. And to make it fair, we are going to draw that clan's name right now. Gerald, bring me the box. So a box is brought out on a beautiful stand. All the Primogen are standing there. Some of them look incredibly hopeful. Some look a little distant. Again, no Nosferatu. And he digs his hand in, pulls out a chip, holds it up and says, The clan that will be responsible for the closing and hopefully the greatest party to ever grace the halls of the Hellfire Club will be he freezes doesn't want to he just looks at it looks over there's this very sexually dressed with pigtails and white face makeup to make her even look more dead uh, black painted lips with tear a tear stain a stain coming down from her eye um her breath you know her boobs pushed in a push-up corset tiny little skirt leaning up against the wall and he says our hosts will be the clan of malkavian and she goes (laughs) (laughs) oh come on and you hear that isn't how simona wants to celebrate her 372nd birthday Right. It's like golf clap from the ghoul section. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Yes. Well played, indeed. Yes, quite. <laughs> so, the idea is not to leave broken bodies and well, you know disarray everywhere. Excellent choice. Yes, good luck with that. The choice was random. He hears a lot of murmuring, but this girl oh, goes. No, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm I'm audibly laughing. <laughs> also, is it possible to use a little aspects to double check? Uh, I don't know. Does everything. I don't know if I can see inside of the uh, the tombola. Are these things? Does everything look legit? Was there maybe a sleight of hand? Is there any way I can see if anything looks? Does it, anything that indicates this is not random? Uh, uh during the drawing, uh, or so yeah. now that from he's from the moment done... it rolls out. Okay, from the moment it rolls out, because just the idea that anything is random seems a bit, you know. Yeah. Go ahead and give me yeah. a um. Go ahead and throw auspix, and I believe your auspix on that level would, would go under perception as well. So perception, perception okay. alertness, I think, is correct. Perception plus alertness. Okay. Which is, if we use your roll from your heightened one with all those... That was ridiculous. I will never roll that well again. You know what? Mark this. <laughs> Let's do it this way. That roll was so good. You, you're you still like, you're just, you're like, you're, you're almost cavitating. You're so aware. And... Um, <laughs> 
you look up at the box and you don't you don't sense any aura change you don't see anything um really out of place uh, doesn't appear to be but and by the looks of the primogen they're just you know it was a one in seven shot but they were all praying <laughs> it wasn't that one in seven um the young girl the girl who the woman who walks up she goes right up on stage she kind of skips snaps the chit out of his hand this beautiful piece of sculpted some sort of semi-precious stone that has the name Malkavian in it. She kisses it, shows it like this to the whole crowd and goes, well, ain't that grand. This is going to be a party to never, ever forget. You know why? She turns around and flashes her ass. She goes, because we gonna do all kinds of fun games and things and we're gonna make everyone remember what it means to be kindred <laughs> kindred <laughs> and she goes dancing down the stairs and kind of walks up and stops and turns back and says oh how could i forget and she leans down deeply bends in a, in a deep curtsy and goes you fucking highness thank you and she steps back into the crowd up over to the primogen and there's yeah there's a one or two claps yeah. yeah there's a lot of people not and kiernan doesn't look happy either he's thinking you know maybe <laughs> i should have employed some form of <laughs> slight he's probably thinking i wish i had sleight of handed that sucker <laughs> but i didn't so he does he waits for everyone's voices to die down calm down he says now the arrange the arrangement of kindred coming in and out of our city is going to put a lot of pressure upon feeding and safety in the months that lead up to this party. So I am calling upon our esteemed Evelyn Wolf to handle the travel arrangements for all vampires who cannot make their way here independently. If your clan knows of elders that will definitely be in attendance or any others that are definitely interested in attending, please make sure to ring Evelyn at her office. You all have numbers or can get that number from myself, Gerald, or any member of Clan Ventrue, and she will begin to arrange for their arrivals. I only ask that anyone beyond the generation of ninth, younger than ninth, must give her at least three months notice that they are preparing to arrive don't care i do not care if they arrive days before a few days a few nights all i want to know is anyone of that age or greater must give her time to make those arrangements for their safety please pass that on among your people now to somewhat darker matters the toreador as many know, have of late not been in our favor. They have not played well. Some of these offenses happened before our current primogen took power. I am aware of that. But some of those offenses come directly from him as well. 
So, I ban all creation of Childer for the Clan Toreador for another decade. Make no mistake. If you breed them, they will be hunted and destroyed. And, since the last 40 years, we've lost another Toreador anyway. One unfortunately fell to a, the eternal slumber. I am cutting back their feeding, feeding zone by another 13%. Updated information about that will also be handed to the Primogen and passed out among their people at the end of this conclave. With only 11 of you in existence currently in the city of London, you don't need all that territory. At this point, you know, faces are just fuming. He is literally taking away their places of safe haven to feed. He is cutting them down. And it is not, it is making him, Elijah very upset. Um, you don't need Auspix to see what's coming. Okay. And then he says, and then finally, Clan Nosferatu, who we of Ventru hold very dear to our hearts, those who maintain our eyes and ears across the breadth of our city. At last moment, we're given a pass not to attend this conclave because Bartholomew, primogen of Clan Nosferatu, has gone missing. Currently, the members of his family are out looking for him. I say this with respect, but also, and he pauses and he shakes for a moment. He says, if I find out that any of you have been responsible for Bartholomew's death or state of torpor, you will feel the full weight of Clan Ventru fall upon you. I don't most idle threats. But something is amiss. And I'm going to find out what it is. Stands up. Anybody want to say anything? Anybody want to do anything? We're almost out of the monologue and into the parts where things will start to happen. No, I'm going to fume in silence. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think at this point, Horatio is already starting to compose the letter uh, that he needs to send to Agnes. So it needs to it needs to be perfect. Every letter needs to be intentionally placed. All righty. Christina, anything from the Tremere from your end? I'm just looking at my primogen and my sire like, what is going on? I'm trying to read their expressions and... I'm in a group of my own people with apprentices, so I'm just trying to read the room of our people more than anybody else, okay. I guess. So he stands there for a moment and crosses his arms, and you hear, <clears throat> My lord, if I, if I may. Yes? Please. Christina, you see your sire approach, the elder of the Chantry of London. He leans in and whispers. He says, I see... I see your point on that. Yes. For safety's sake. Yes, my lord. And he steps back. 
The two women of Clan Tremere, they, shake their head. They couldn't hear him. But as he was speaking, they were in unison, nodding, with their hands together in front of them, just nodding. The rest of Tremere, all of you noticed throughout the, the gathered gallery, with the exception of Tr Christina, begin to nod. Like they're all part of this conversation going on. And then you hear the prince say, Christina Sumner, approach us. I immediately, like, lift up my big black skirt because I'm wearing all black and a heavy black coat. I go up. Eyes a little downcast, but I go up as quickly as I can. Your sire tells me that you wish to exalt yourself amongst us. Is that true? That is true, Your Highness. I wish to be of use to my clan and to yourself as well. Hmm. Excellent. Clan Tremere has done well for us over the last few decades, and they have definitely shown their favor. I put this to you, Christina. With the work of Evelyn Wolfe, you are going to catalog every kindred coming in and out of London for this party. Their name, current generation, when they are arriving, and when they attend to leave. I want it written down, and I want it presented to me three days before the commencement of the festivities. Can you do this? Of course. It is my honor to accept this position. You may reattend your people. I give a deep curtsy and back away slowly, and if I can, I flash a little smirk at my sire, like, I guess thank you, because I guess he's the one that convinced him to do it, so okay. then I walk back looks like she carries a marble-headed staff. Mm -hmm. She is white-knuckling. Staff it's or a walking walk stick. Yeah. Like walking stick, sorry. She is white-knuckling the top of that marble. I'm surprised she's not cracked. Like, it's a wonder she's not cracking it. Mm -hmm. Her face, completely calm. She is desperately trying not to raise this stick and hit someone with it. Excellent. <laughs> All she right. says nothing. So, the prince says... I thank you all for coming. The gates will be opened in a few moments above. Please feel free to accept some refreshment. Several ghouls come in with these large decanters. It's obviously blood. There's goblets of varying degrees of quality, but that's fine. They begin to mill through the crowd, every, allowing everyone to have a, you know something if they need it. And he says, I'm sure your elders will have to speak to each and every one of you. They will gather you. I thank you for your attendance. And he I'd like to grab two goblets and, and see if I can track down uh, Mitzi. Oh, Mitzi. Very intuitive because Ashenbrenner, you wouldn't believe who's standing behind you. <laughs> <laughs> She's, she goes, Ash. I'd, I'd slowly turn around and just just extend the goblet and, and bow as deeply as I can. She says, I had an idea, and I'm hoping that you're down with this, that you're going to be a part of it, because, oh, could you imagine you and a bunch of fucked up things all lined up down the center of the grand hallway? It would be awesome. 
it would be a sight to remember. Ash, tell me, tell me you're gonna do something for us. My dear Mitzi, step over here into the dark with me. Ooh. I'm gonna just kind of lead her into a, into a slightly more secluded corner. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, she's totally. Even if Wonderful. yeah, even if you had the worst intentions, she really <laughs> isn't picking up that that could possibly happen, and she probably wouldn't care. She's like, hmm. "Oh, real quick, I'm about to go over here in the dark, but everybody from Malkavian." Park your asses down. I have a few minutes, but I will be back, and we have a lot to discuss. Okay, the rest of you, fuck off and die. And she giggles and walks over with you, and she's just totally, mm, yeah, not good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'll I will hand the goblet to her, and then in the other hand, uh, after after, well, assuming she, she takes it, I'll hold it out and wait for her to take it if she'd like. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, as soon as she's taken it, I'll reach into my pocket and hold out a palm full of these small, kind of oily, shiny black rocks. Just hold them out to her. What's this? This, Mitzi, is what I see in your future. And I'll sort of like drop them into uh, her hand. One at a time? Uh, just kind of one at a time, a little cascade, yeah. You see dark rocks in my future. The darkest. And I'll, I'll, I'll clink my glass to hers and I'll, I'll sip some of the, uh, the blood. She's like, Ashenbrenner, if I could have gotten wet, it'd be happening right now. Gonna smile real big. Bow deeply. You, he knows how to treat a lady. I got rocks. <laughs> and she starts licking them because she doesn't know what else she should do and then puts one in her can, mouth and kind of so can they tell what things are because it's actually a mix of sort of tar and and shellac mm. um it's not an actual it looks like obsidian okay it, almost, it looks exactly like obsidian right yeah uh at this point she thinks it's some sort of licorice <laughs> probably you know um that Italian liqueur, whatever that one is, that definitely tastes like black licorice. Um, oh, yeah, that's gross. I, yeah, I don't I can't. Sambuca? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, but she, she has one in her, it's filling up her cheek like a hamster, and somehow she still looks incredibly sensual, like this is a normal thing for her to do. Like, oh, I've been <laughs> sucking on black tar rocks since I was 15, I don't know. So, she comes back out. The Toreadors will deal with in a moment because, obviously... There's going to be something for land Toreadors. She walks over to you, Horatio, and she's walking past and she stops and she goes, Oh, a beta. Who are you, hon? Oh, hey, hello, Ms. Uh, Mitzi. I am a representative of your cousin, Agnes. Uh, I, I was actually hoping to get a word with you, but I didn't think it would be proper in this setting. Now, we have so much things going on, it's perfectly fine. I'm hoping that she's willing to come back. You know, we've missed her so, and she's got such a way with her legs, most of the time behind her ears, but she's usually pretty fun to be around, if you know what I mean. I, I, I'm certain I don't know what you're talking about. It's, um, it's very, very, uh, yes. Um, so I shall send the invitation, then, is what I'm gathering. Yeah, she 
gently reaches towards your face and she strokes the right side then she strokes the left she kind of gets a weight of your head like what it must be like if it didn't have a neck and she comes in and she unless you're going to stop her she runs her tongue from your chin straight up to your forehead and she's <laughs> like I, I knew this was an interesting family um yes i um, indeed I, 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 I will compose the message to her first thing on the morrow and uh, thank you I suppose <laughs> you need to lay off the mutton you're getting the taste like sheep well I, he has you know being a Victorian doctor he has huge mutton chops yeah. so <laughs> that makes perfect sense yes so she gets the rest of the Malcavs together. Two of them have gone into Greco-Roman wrestling naked. They've just decided to take things off and just start running at each other, tossing each other around. There's fangs bearing. All the other clans have taken their positions elsewhere. That happens. Finally, Elijah uh, is, a, is with Toreadors. He's having a, you know, a refreshment. He does see you exit the darkness. Mitzi walk over and start licking Dr. Horatio. Um, Evelyn, you're having a beverage, you know, some sort of refreshment as well. You can't leave yet, but you also have yeah. no Primogen. So I'm also enjoying the Greco-Roman wrestling. So. Yes, of course you would. <laughs> Taking a moment. Just, just to as see you what's do. going on. Absolutely. Yes. But uh, Ash and Brenner, they, Elijah sees you walking out and you hear him call to you. Uh, Ash and Brenner, if you have a moment, my my friend please i'll walk over yeah elijah i was wondering would the prince like me to remove my genitals or, or perhaps cut my own head off as well anything to make his uh, life easier i know it's been difficult the fucking tremeres have been up his ass for the last 40 years since the cholera outbreak i mean Yes, they could tell which humans were effect infected and how to stop the spread of it with our feeding, but for the love of Cain, how can this continue? We have rights, and I'm going to press those rights. But in the meantime, Simona, have you ever met Ashenbrenner? I believe the two of you know each other. Uh, yes, we've been acquainted before. It's good to see you again, Ashenbrenner. Oh, yes, the artist. Hello, Simona. How is your pain? Very good. How is your work, sir? Oh, excellent. To hear. I'm glad you're in. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. How can I not? <laughs> he says, "The two of you. Two things. The prince has asked for volunteers from the clans to help track down what may have happened to Bartholomew." He's also going to make a special re request of Evelyn Wolf. So I'm wondering if I could count on the two of you to be willing to work with someone not from the family and do a little investigation into what may have occurred and happened to the primogen of Clan Nosferatu. It would earn us quite a few points if we could get, put come to the bottom of this mystery. Of course, oh, Elijah. Oh. Anything, anything to help the clan to put us back in favor again. 
roll my eyes if I can make time for it in my schedule. You know I don't do things for points. I understand that, Ashenbrenner, but you also understand that we are grossly becoming outnumbered in the city, and should something happen, or worse, the prince get even more irritated with our presence, we could find ourselves having no feeding grounds. I beg of you, please, indulge me with a bit of your patience and help us. I'm Ashenbrenner. It could be a fun adventure. Maybe we can find something else for you to work with while we're out there. Hmm. Arms crossed. It's like a like a petulant six-year-old, but fine. Eventually, there's going to be candy, so that's fine. <laughs> well, black tar candy. So yeah, Mitzi's offering some of the other rocks to the rest to other Malcavs, and <laughs> none of them are taking them because they know if they do, she'll break their arm. Because Mitzi doesn't like to share anything. But she's being pleasant enough to ask. You should try it. It's really good. No, thank you. Are you sure? Because it's really, really good. No, try it. No, thank you. And then she walks away laughing. Um, that's going on for a little bit. Christina, they have approached you. And they walk up. And they are one voice. Even when left or right speaks, they seem constantly in sync. It is a great honor. An honor that you were given. You should be very proud of yourself, Christina. I am, and it gives me great pleasure, and it, it words are indescribable. I appreciate you and my sire giving me this chance to prove myself. Of course, dear. You've earned it. Of course you are going to make a copy. Absolutely. It would only I, be, that was never a question. It would only be for history purposes, just to catalog, to know, to be assured that everyone who claims they are coming will be there. Indeed. Our call to fame is our record-keeping, after all. <laughs> they both laugh. I'm glad that we're all on the same page, dear. I give a bow to my head and little curtsy here and I go, is there anything else I can look into for you while, whilst I work with the La Sombra? And is... I, my eyes glance over to Evelyn. It's not, it's just like, I'm a little piff, peeved off that it's a La Sombra, but I'm being pleasant enough with a smile. They say, come, we will introduce you. It is only right that we should make formal introductions. Of course. So, and we go. <laughs> Evelyn, you see th the two women that of Clan Tremere, the Primogen. They dressed almost in mirror image, small, you know, the black hat with the long veil, uh, very, very ornate, beautiful red, uh, black Victorian dresses. Excuse me, gloves. Each wears a red pendant of some form of precious stone around their neck hanging like off of a choker uh they approach you know with you and with another behind them you've read you definitely recognize the primogen you think you've seen christina before at other gatherings and they say lady evelyn wolf we would like to introduce you to one of our children one of our up-and-coming brightest stars this is christina sumner and they step apart for a moment and christina walks between them 
uh, Evelyn, what you see is a 21-year-old, very young-looking woman, about 5'5", five, five, fair features. Uh, her hair is done up in a style that's very old, like almost Renaissance-looking, with a bit of a hairnet and braids, and black dress, gold rune stitching, and basic Tremere dress, so... And uh, uh, Christina gives her a respectful nod of the head and says, Good evening. Evening. Since we're doing descriptions, um, Evelyn is a, she's pretty tall, about five foot eight. Um, you know, pale. She dresses incredibly conservative, but if you know anything about fashion, her clothes are the most expensive. They are the most fine. But she's dressed as if she's perpetually in mourning. And yes, we're vampires. We wear black. Her clothing is someone dear to me has just died, and I don't want to stand out at all. Um, the only thing about her that you that is particularly noteworthy about her appearance, she has long, wavy, like dark red, almost brown hair that goes all the way down to her ass, and she wears it loose, which in Victorian society basically implies that she is loose. It is her one. In, it is her one social indulgence. She wears her hair down. Christina introduces herself. Evening. They, my darlings, doesn't look at Christina. Turns to they, and is glancing between the two of them. They, my darlings, how wonderful to see you. Thank you so much for introducing me to this child. Um. I understand we have to be working together. Finally, looks at Christina. Make no mistake. She is not a child among the among the the kindred. She is one oh. of the family, a member, and we expect her to be treated as such. Absolutely, my, absolutely, my dears. I simply had not yet made this dear one's acquaintance, so I assumed you held less social standing than you do. That is all. My apologies, an oversight clearly on my part. So you're to be doing what for me exactly? Cataloging and recording every vampire from every clan coming into London for the festivities, of course. As I do have skills in writing and as you know as you know, Tremere do enjoy writing things down for prosperity. For a young girl with a diary, my love. Now, I, I'm afraid you'll be rather, um, rather bored working with me. You see, I already keep offices of several people, um, several members of my staff, whose sole job is record keeping, but I do invite you to come by my offices and help me oversee this work. When I appreciate I the invitation. You? I'm very busy. When should I expect you? Well, let's start tomorrow night. I could not think of a more interesting and more pertinent task than what His Highness has given me, considering everybody will not be scrambling to get their eldest and dearest into the city. Oh, absolutely. And I've already been approached by several people, and I'm actually conducting the Prince's business on a separate matter tomorrow night. The following... 
I look to my primogen and like what she's thinking is she has to try to play a little nice even though she does not like she knows what Evelyn's doing or at least she mm -hmm. thinks she knows Yep. so she goes well it does put a dent as a as they would say in the royal wishes but if you cannot take time out of your busy schedule for this matter then I've of course the following evening but I will be there Precisely, and hopefully you and I can have an open and honest relationship, Miss Wolf. And she holds out her hand. Evelyn extends her business card, like, and puts it into Christina's hand. So you don't let her touch you? No. Okay, not a bad idea. Also, um, before Christina can take the card, she pulls it back like half an inch. The royal... Clan Tremere is not privy to all of the royal wishes. I've said that I am engaged in work for the prince on a separate matter. It finally gives her the card. Okay. So I will see you. Uh, you did you did say that. Yes. I did not negate that. And the tensions are out. So uh <laughs> all of a sudden yeah, wait, I'm sorry. How close are we? Do do, do uh, we see any any of this? Yeah, so it's you can not... see the size of the room. Uh everyone's kind of gathered and huddled into you know, like when you're at a party, right? The the groups have kind of met their own. Um, in total, right now, there are... Uh, if I remember, let me see where I have my note on that. There's like 14 Tremere in the city, so they would all be together. Uh, there's only 11 Toreadors, so all of you are pretty much together. There's 17 Ventru, um, with minus the Prince, who's gone into his re recesses of the catacombs. So, yeah, you have pockets of these vampires. You're look if you're looking around, you're gonna see that the primogen from one clan has moved over and has introduced themselves to this lone solitary vampire who has no f clan representation here. Um, Simona, um, Simona and Evelyn also have a sort of relationship. Yeah, outside. there's a background. Yes, yeah. So you know, Simona is already thinking about going over and just giving her regards to Evelyn, but she does notice this and. She notices how Evelyn is interacting, and Simona just kind of quietly like rolls her eyes, like, "Oh God, here we go." <laughs> um, so she's just keeping this in the back of her head. She'll probably ask Evelyn about it the next time she sees her. Well, there's going to be that coming up fairly s soon. So Mitzi uh, Horatio ends up walking past, you know, back past you, and says, "Oh, Doc, one more thing. If I could just bother you, I know that you're probably busy, but..." If sup, my other side has a favor, could I let? Could we ask that of you? Would that be okay? Oh yes, of course, Miss Mitzi. Uh, any anything to help out uh, the family, as it were. Because Josiah is not here, I'm hoping that you would be willing to walk with Evelyn Wolf and several Torridor looking for Bartholomew. You might be yes. able to do things during the day that they cannot. Would you be willing to help the prince? Well, of course, I figured uh, if it would help your standing, Miss Mitzvi, I would be pleased to do so. And I, I believe if I heard uh, this prince fellow correctly, I would need to speak with Ms. Wolf about uh, making certain travel arrangements as it uh, stands. So that should not be a problem. Thank you. All of a sudden, Mitzi's standing there and she goes, Doc, 
So my favor, what did I just say? Oh, so um, is there like an vampire equivalent to insight that I, I can roll to see if I should know if I should tell this or not? Yeah, you, you don't. I mean, right now in this situation, you probably are just picking it up as some sort of, a, you know, a mania or some sort of a problem that she has. So, yeah, you could tell her. I mean, you're not going to need to roll that. Okay. She seems, seems like what... she trusts herself. Well, Ms. Mitzi, uh, your partner asked if I would help with the disappearance of the uh, Bartholomew gentleman that was mentioned earlier in the evening. The Bartholomew gentleman. Oh, the primogen for Nosferatu. He's gone. Yes, I, I believe I'd heard something about that, yes. Uh, and it would be my pleasure to assist in any way possible. I could uh, check all the usual places, uh, hospitals, sanitariums, you know, the morgue. Uh, mm. Just hopefully not that last one, but you never do know. Well, the nightlife of London has a lot to offer. Yeah, you do that. You you do that, Mr. Jackal, and I'll be back in touch. Uh, yeah, so it's a pleasure as always, Missy. And uh, of course, if uh, you, for your party, do need any additional um, refreshments, as have been requested of me in the past, uh, do, of course, remember that the higher the volume, the longer the time. She giggles, looks confused, and then says, Thanks! Um, she yeah. actually wanders back towards the cross okay. and kind of goes behind the rock. And then eight seconds later comes out with a look of absolute, like, wow, I shouldn't have done that, and wanders back in towards her own people. Like, that was really a big mistake. I don't know why I went down that hallway. That was really stupid. So, in time, the door, the gates at the top, everyone can sort of hear them being unbarred. Gerald, who was one of the attendants at the door, who it now you realize by the way the groups sort of uh, split up, is definitely from Clan Ventrue. Uh, he comes over and collects Evelyn Wolf, Christina, uh, Mitzi points over to Dr. Horatio, and uh, Simona, you you get the general idea with Ashenbrenner that, you know, he's come out from behind the cross, he's trying to collect everybody to, you know, come back and talk to the prince about this situation with Bartholomew. So, uh, the two of you, I would assume, make your way over to that group, uh, if that's okay. And uh, you're brought back, which is a great honor. Only normally the Prince and Primogen are allowed beyond this point. Uh, you're brought back <clears throat> around behind the rock, down this hallway that Mitzi had entered and left. She's allowed, but for some reason that time she thought it was the wrong thing to do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she, uh, you guys head down. There's another staircase. It's only about five steps. And it enters into this um, magnificent uh, room of uh, just this black marble floor with it's veined in white and gold. Uh, it has this magnificent desk. Uh, chairs are centered in a semicircle in the center of the room in a semicircle facing the desk. They're all, you know, very well accrued, um, you know, tall back, sort of like what they used to call like a Pope chair, uh, very, very tall back and, you know, straight up and, regal looking but you know upholstered and and definitely you know there's a heft to all the furniture in the room books are behind the desk um there is light coming from somewhere but it's hard to tell but it is flickering so it's either being it's below the room in some sort of a you know gas pipe or 
whatever's going on, but the the room has illumination. And Kiernan is not sitting behind the desk. He's kind of propped up against it um, as you all walk in. And uh, Gerald says to him, My lord, Miss Evelyn Wolfe, Christina Sumner, Simona Delatore, Eschenbrenner, and Dr. Horatio Jackal, as you requested. Thank you. You may leave us. So he steps out, and he's like, My friends, please, come forward. Uh, take off my top hat. Okay. Simona does her deepest curtsy. Okay. Paul, what was Ash and Brenner doing? I was just going to kind of stay towards the back of the group. If I can surreptitiously get a little dirt on the floor, I will. Oh, yeah, you can kick a little off your pant leg at some point. Excellent. <laughs> You're like a chihuahua. You just want to drop a little thing in the corner. Simona kind of <laughs> Simona gives a glance to Ashenbrenner, like to kind of give him the idea, like, please, I'm begging you, don't make our clan look any worse than they already do in his eyes. I don't know if there's a role for looking innocent, but I'd like to to do my best to look as innocent <laughs> as possible. <laughs> describing yourself looking innocent go ahead and do that for me real quick how would how would ashenbrenner pull off looking innocent not incredibly well so he's <laughs> uh he's about he's six feet tall about 200 pounds just a cold and smooth and solid like if if marble uh could uh move around completely bald uh you know dark kind of muddy brown eyes no facial hair just very obdurate i guess is like is the word so um i guess to look innocent i would just kind of widen my eyes like oh i know it's awful what's happening i wish there was some way to stop this Simona just gently shakes her head like there's no controlling him so I will just do my best to represent Clan Toreador by my lonesome that's that's like that is a look I'm so used to getting I'm very comfortable with that yeah all right uh Christina Catherine uh Evelyn every you guys move up every ladies move up to the towards the front he does not offer you chairs uh those are reserved for Primogen it would be sort of against etiquette to ask you to sit but neither is he sitting he's just leaning on his desk so he's trying to make you feel a little bit more at ease and he says as you approach you are all here because you've been volunteered by your primogen or elders of your clan um case of evelyn because she works closely with me on matters that i have assigned for her but I wish a small group of you to go to the Jewish quarter of the city and speak to Rabbi Tevi Brankowitz. I had sent Bartholomew there several nights ago. Tevi is a magus in the scriptures and powers of Kabbalism, and his son is a very powerful practitioner also. I have given them sanctuary within the city. Um, that is why there is code set down for the Jewish ghetto. Um, they, I have empl- employed them in the past to help keep our enemies at bay and keep an eye on several key members of the werewolf community. 
But with so many elders due to come into the city over the next several months, I felt it was important to give this ally notification of my intentions. That was the last time I actually heard from Bartholomew, was after dispatching him with a note. I would have sent a lesser Nosferatu, but Bartholomew and Tevi have a relationship that goes back at least two decades. I thought it was the best thing to do. They are our friends. As more than just a professional manner, they, they do have regular meetings and are kept abreast of information between the two communities. So this is sensitive. Um, and I do not wish it to be known that I am harboring a large community of magi inside the city of London. So I'm asking for all of your discretions. He looks at you, Horatio, specifically, and he says, and I realize that I'm asking a lot for some people whose family, it may appear, are not so good at keeping secrets. But if that were the case, we wouldn't allow them in our fair establishment of the Camarilla. So, yes, your highness, discretion is the code and edict of the medical man. You can trust in me, sir. I'm going to just notice Dr. Jackal now. Okay. Just kind of stare at him for a bit. All right. So, Horatio, you see this six-foot plasterined skin tone man um, just kind of measuring you up probably guessing at what how much stone you weigh kind of looks at you maybe from the left and the right a little bit kind of just without moving right Ashenbrenner you're kind of just sizing him is that what you're doing kind of yeah it, it, it's almost it's almost like something something just seems so off how did I not notice he was there? But now I'm just just kind of taking him in. Okay. Yeah. So so if I notice this, I I will turn and likewise look him up and down, but not in any sort of intimidating way. And my my must say, my good man, you have the most interesting pallor to you. Is you must allow me to study you sometime. I have vitamin D deficiency, perhaps, or some varying. Uh, variation on scurvy. Maybe some some nice fruit and vegetables would help fix that. I'm sorry, we're getting all off track, sir. I, you were saying. I'm just going to take it in. Okay. So the rest of you see this human who obviously his heartbeat is much slower. Um, he looks on the outside like any other human. You definitely recognize that there's a beating heart in his chest, but like I said, it's it's reduced in speed, but not potency. So it's definitely got the... You know, it's a, a deep thud. Um, but that's normal for anyone who's ever had a... You know, has been around a ghoul. And again, for a ghoul to be allowed into an inner sanctum of a prince, only two things can be surmised from that. Either there's a desperation to the situation, or there's a trust... Um, how that trust was established yet, you don't know, but there's something there that he's obviously a very well-accepted uh, attendant to the master. So so he says, I'm going to give you this note. 
It is already adorned with my stamp. Give this to Tevi when you call on him, and he'll recognize the symbol and realize that you're there on my business, and you'll be offered complete protection. No one should in any way impede you from moving around the quarter. Under normal circumstances, they might, but with this stamp, you, you will find the passage safe. Now, is it possible I've heard anything about this guy through my connection with uh, my, my ally, other uh, Hitchmarsh? <clears throat> You're talking about Tevi? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how... It may, it may have come up in conversation, uh, Paul. It, it, it could have. I mean, he's a fairly prominent um, religious figure and, you know, with uh, a Jewish community that's been in, you know, in and out of London for, you know, five, eight, five, six, seven hundred years. Um, there's been synagogues and things of that nature. So, yeah, you, you may have heard of him, um, th that you knew his family was, you know, Maguses or Magi. No, that you probably didn't know. But you, you probably right. recognize the name. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now, as a, as a regular, quote unquote, uh, person, do I understand, like, does this name ring any bells for me or do I know the neighborhood he's talking about? Or is this like some sort of secret? No, enclave? So, so, no, no. So the, the fact that, again, the fact that they're mages, even ma mages don't want to be well, not the, not the mages, but yeah, the there's Jewish like a quarter. specific like Jewish quarter. Yeah. No, it's, it's well known in London um, that, that there's a, that there's a ghetto. Um, and when we use the term ghetto, it, it, it's not always, you know, the old world term of ghetto exactly and, and a concentrated yeah. neighborhood yeah which is exactly what it is um and yeah it was done for purposes of keeping you know families and people of you know like and similar culture together but uh it's in no way shape or form uh, you know a, a run-down dilapidated area it's just it's like little italy let's say exactly very very good mm -hmm. analogy yeah you're aware of it Dr. Jackal, are you Jewish? I mean, if you're Jewish, then we would, you know, if that's the case, um, then you would know Tevi very well. You know, I hadn't really given it much thought, uh, character-wise. Okay. Um, I, I, when I was researching Victorian doctors, I didn't really look to see if they had, you know, things saying you couldn't get into Cambridge if you were certain whatevers. So I just was like, Cambridge is a name everybody knows. We'll go with that. So yeah, I don't. I'm not sure myself. Um, but that doesn't mean names didn't so being change. A, being a proper British gentleman, he probably is uh, reads the King James. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yep. No problem. Evelyn, you're aware of the yes. you're aware of the area as well, um, because you've done some business through the Prince Fortevi. You probably have never met him in person, but representatives, that kind of thing. So if there's nothing else, he just says again, please report back to me should you uncover anything. I'm hoping that Tevi may have some indication or under, you know knowledge of what's happened to Bartholomew. Unfortunately, I was not able to dispatch a, mess dispatch a messenger before the conclave this evening um, when it became very apparent that Bartholomew had gone missing because I was en route here and there was too many moving pieces. So I thank you for your help in this matter. O okay, yeah. He, he hands it to you, Christine, with the letter. And I, I'd just like to, yep. what would you like to do if we run across a rampaging gang of werewolves? No, kill them. 
if you can or run if you can't of course what a silly question thank you we'll kill them <laughs> or run if we can't well um they shouldn't be within the limits of the city um dr jackal all of this is like kind of thinking to himself like these people take their little club very very seriously <laughs> of course this is all just this is all hocus pocus and silliness yeah or quite dedicated to their humbug yeah the the <laughs> standard the, the standard answer to any werewolf in london is hunt it and kill it they have their place it's called the highlands and maybe a couple areas outside of york but other than that don't come near london uh so but what the prince was referring to is is that there are several werewolf clans that you know are pocketed around wales and a few in england and Tevi has been a go-between whenever there's been hostilities or issues. So, not that he's worried about a threat of, vamp of werewolves inside the city, but that's what he meant by that. Ah, uh, the Welsh, of course. It makes perfect sense now. <laughs> the Welsh. Never enough vowels, in their words. Well, that's why. It's how... So you got this long just howl. So anybody from Wales, I, I know our other show is international. We thank you for that. Um, I didn't... That was just... That's for you, Ruth. Hi. Shout okay. out to my friend Ruth who went to Cambridge. Yes, she did. We're not right. discriminatory to any Celtic <laughs> heritages, either in Wales or outside of Wales. <laughs> I, would have, I would have thought that the werewolves would be from Welsh because, from Wales, because of the, is there really no one going to make the pun? Wales? Oh, they howl, they wail. Gotcha. I'll gotcha. leave. I'll leave. No, I cut fine. my own you, head off. You may, you may stay. <laughs> you may if you stay. cut your head off, Paul, you're still over six foot tall. Nobody would notice. It's okay. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so, you're still taller than me even without it. So. <laughs> I only reach your, like, stomach. So she's just like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if Question without. for the prince. What's that? Okay. Um, my lord. A thought. This letter, has it been handed to someone? Yes, Christina Sumner grabbed it. Yes, I was. I stepped forward and like bowed my head and took it. That's uncomfortable. Okay, my lord. This letter. Did Bartholomew happen to have one when he went to speak with Tevi? Bartholomew's ability to move without being seen is nearly second to none. Of course, he normally doesn't require safe passage through the district he moves without without care and then arrives at Tevi's residence um, I normally don't have to give him my sigil to do anything unless it's a formal decree from me he did not have one this the three days ago when I dispatched him no thank you just a thought oh of course I, appreciate... I have so many this is true Evelyn indeed I'm having several now we won't take any more of your time, my lord. Is there anything else that you require? I appreciate your endeavors. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be in touch shortly. So, almost on cue, Gerald steps back in. You can hear his footfalls as he approaches. He comes back into the office. As he's coming in, um, the Primogen are following him in. All of them, they are there. Um, Mitzi, um, Elijah, they're all they're all coming through. Gregor is here, and Gregor is looking as fanatically bizarre as ever. 
uh, in his bishop's robes and his decaying look of fa his face, which he uses uh, a, an ability to create that look. It's really not... Gregor looks regular normal, but he wants to look as a desiccated, you know, really messed up kind of Bruja. Um, they, they all file past. At times you get different senses of, you know, abilities going off about command and presence and strength. But for the most part, you know, once they're escorted in, they start taking their chairs. Gerald then extends his arm and shows you out. Uh, the With the exception of a few Malcavs who have fallen in love with the pillars in the center of the conclave area and are chatting them up, two or three of them, uh, they're, they're really, and, they're, and you're not sure why they're, it's just, they're just sitting there, well, do you come here often? You know, you, you're very strong. <laughs> um, all that. So they're just having these long, in-depth, very, very, you know, emotional conversations. One's leaning on it and crying like it's its mother, holding on to it. You're um, very polished. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're so well polished. They, the event, you know, you're brought back to the main staircase and you're shown your way up, back past the uh, the crying, you know, the, the wounded child, uh, the effigy, and then out into the night of London air. It is after midnight. By the time this all happens, it's probably about 12.30, quarter to one in the morning. Carriages are waiting. The primogen are still below. So, uh, Christina, you see your father standing near one of the one of the handsomes uh, that the, the clan came in. The other, the third one, which would have been in the last of the row, is already filled. The second one has mostly filled with the exception of your seat. And then your sire and the leader of the chantry is waiting outside the first cab for they to emerge. Everyone else has kind of dispersed Simona. Your sire has gone back to your haven. The group is together. What would you like to do? Well, that was a most interesting and enjoyable evening. I hope you all uh, got what you wanted out of it. Yes, it was quite an interesting evening. And um, I don't believe that we have been acquainted yet, sir. My name is Simona Delatore, and I, um, I hold out my hand for him to kiss it. And he will take off his top hat and again make a huge, elegant bow, making a big show of it and a dinky little kiss. Dr. Horatio Jackal at your service. I, uh, uh, rather new to these sorts of gatherings. I must say it was quite interesting. Uh, but it is quite a, quite a pleasure to make your acquaintance. And I believe, Ms. Wolf, uh, you and I shall have some business, uh, maybe not at this late hour, but at some point on the morrow, perhaps. Uh, I need to send a letter off to uh, the lovely lady who I am here representing to see if she shall be attending your gathering in six months. Absolutely. Um, my, we could we could do it now. The night is young, and I am as well. Mel, oh yeah, no, I'm out. I'm thoroughly convinced that I'm the oldest person okay. here, except for maybe Paul's character. I look because... about forty. Okay, so you you and I look about the same because my guy is about forty. So I'm just thoroughly convinced that you are three very well-to-do ladies for your age and whatever's going on over there. But, uh, uh, Christina kind of interjects real quick. Who are you representing exactly, if you oh, don't yes. mind me asking? 
Of course, how very rude of me. Uh, my, my, shall my we call her business partner of sorts, is a Ms. Agnes Sorrell. She is uh, related to the young, energetic Miss Mitzi that uh, is going to be hosting this uh, party in six months' time, I believe. Not quite sure how. They don't have much of a family resemblance, if you ask me, but that's not really my place to judge. Um, and uh, she is in Paris at the moment and has asked that I attend this gathering as she understood it to be of some import, but uh, not quite enough notice to make it across the uh, the channel uh, in her own way. Is that does the name of her ring any bells? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Keeper, do I know her intimately? Like, on a she way? tends <laughs> to be... She tends not like to that. Be, yeah, no, she tends to be in Paris now more than London, um, although she is definitely, you know, she knows the city well and she has traveled back and forth. Yeah, Evelyn, over the over the years, you've had to move her, you know, a couple times. And what do I know about her? Um, she's actually the last primogen of Clan Malkav. She used to be that oh. before Mitzi. She was incredibly well... She was beloved among her clan. She never... And the one thing about her versus a lot of the other uh, family members of the Malkavian clan, her... Whatever um, madness or euphoria or whatever it was that sometimes claims the others, hers never seemed to manifest itself. Most people thought that she had no malady. Something... Mm. She always appeared to be in control. She never seemed to be stepping too far to one side or doing anything odd or, you know, walking around outside in a hospital gown with no pants on. She she never did those things. It wasn't, that wasn't how she acted. She was always a lady of proper etiquette in society. Well, of course, dear Horatio, I have had many, many pleasant dealings with, um, with dear Agnes in the past. So all we really need uh, to get her moving... Um, send a letter to my to my address. Produces a card from nowhere. She just has them. Produces a card, extends it to him. Just send me a letter to this address um, where she's staying, and I will um, and I'll move to arrange that for you. Oh, quite excellent! And uh, takes the card and puts it in his uh, little doctor's bag. Um, it's, I, I plan on writing her post-haste and uh, as soon as I have confirmation that she intends to attend, I shall uh, send you a letter in the post. Oh, looking forward to it. Now, to other matters. We've all been tasked with something, something unpleasant. How would we like to go about this? Well, I was considering speaking to my um, <clears throat> what's the word? Meat puppet priest? Uh, and perhaps... I beg your pardon? Meet puppet no. priest. No, I, un I saying understand... It slower, saying it slower doesn't make it any better, but... I understand English vernacular, um, my dear. I was simply questioning the order of the words and their purpose coming out of your mouth. Could Excellent. you care to explain? Well, perhaps my meat puppet knows something about this uh, Tevi that we do not. I'm also in the mood to make a bit of a mess because I feel the Toreadors have been shat upon this evening. And, well, I would like to <clears throat> return the favor in general. Ash, you know as well as I that I am also not happy with 
how Clan Toridor is being treated, but I think it might be best for us to focus on the task at hand that was given to us, and maybe we can bring some respect back to our clan name. That is why I'm some... my priest. I of guess, course. is it common knowledge, at least to uh, Simona, that I have an ally that is a priest that I kind of mess with um, for my own but also for informational reasons? Yeah, probably is now. I mean, okay. you know... The... So, yeah, so yeah. I, I have a priest that I manipulate and kind of bully and freak out, um, but also, you know, I get information from him and his clergy if I ever need it. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, that oh, sounds... very useful. Sounds very useful. Yeah, I think that I... might not be a bad idea. Quite. And if we are if we are discussing contacts, I shall uh, check with some of my colleagues and see if there had been any unusual admittances to the local sanitariums. Okay. Christina, sure that... in the back of your head, for a moment you hear, We know the location of his haven. We have known for some time. If you like it, Christina, of course we can share it with you. You hear that only in your head. No one else hears that. Okay. No, Clan Tremere. Mm -mm. <laughs> you just see her look off for a minute and then look back at everybody else. Are you quite all right, my dear? I'm sorry? Uh, you seemed a bit out of it for a, for a moment there. If you just opens the bag and starts jingling bottles, I have something in here somewhere to help with memory. It's, Nothing uh, in your bag, Horatio, will cure what ails her. Puts That's the like Shakespeare. Slowly. I assure you, Doctor, that I am quite all right. It's, the night air has swept through me, and it's quite lovely. Oh, yes, the uh, good old case of the vapors, I understand. Can Simona um, use her auspects to see... Uh... If anything fishy's going on with Christina? Oh, come on. We're starting this up again. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simona, you've, you, you've been around quite some time. It's not uncommon for... It's not even an uncommon piece of information that Tremere are very interconnected. Um, they can speak, especially the older ones, to their subordinates pretty much at will. And they don't need to be present. So if you see one stare off like that, which I'm sure you have throughout the centuries, it's definitely the Tremere keeping tabs on or passing something along. So it's it's just one of the funky things they tend to do. Gotcha. Okay, so we have uh, Ashenbrenner, who is thinking of heading out to the church. Dr. Horatio Jackal in the morning is going to make some inquiries with sanitariums in the area to see if they've heard anything or anyone has had maybe a vision or some other information regarding an evil, hideous, Nosferatu-looking, some sort of creature of the night, just with distended fingers, very much a Max Shrek sort of <laughs> looking dude. See if that's happened. But you also have the lead for Tevi. Um, who would like to take that mantle up and, and, or you can all go do that together tonight while the night's still young and then split off to your various places. Christina, you also get a vision of a place within the sewers of London coming off of the Thames. You see an actual image of where the Thames, where the, the sewer spills into the Thames and you see the walkway that goes in deep underground below the uh, the streets of London and 
you you're aware now that this is the way into where Bartholomew's Haven would be, which is something most vampires don't like to share with other vampires. So yep, I if, figured. <laughs> yeah, if you let everybody know that you know that, there may be questions, but great piece of info if you want to eventually take them to check it out. As far as Christina is concerned, her primogen have given her the information. Keep it quiet until it's necessary to reveal it to these people who she does not know <laughs> at all. Well, like, she's barely interacted with them yet, so it's like... Yeah, no, it, like I said in the beginning, yeah. you, you're aware of everyone here. You know reputations. Mm -hmm. you, you may have not been on social where you're, you see each other once a year and have drinks, but you know who Simona is in society. Like, you've, you've been around. You're not a child. You've, you've attended many I conclaves. I get that, but yeah. she... She'll, at this point, she's just going to keep it silent. If okay. they're going to work together, she'll bring it up okay. and she'll use it as she sees fit. But for now, it's like, hmm. Okay, so as a let's team... See what, let's see what my other people think. Yeah, no problem. So, Evelyn, are you, are you looking to go... What, what's your plan at this point? We'll kind of got everybody else's. Simona, either one of you, does anybody want to take um, up I'll another... I would go see Tevi if anybody wants to go join I... me. I would like that as well, because, quite frankly, there's a lot on my plate. I've okay. been tasked with a lot, so yeah. let's make use of time while we have it. I'd like the letter. I'd like to go see Tebby, please, and thank you. The letter. I shall accompany you as well. I feel like it is important to interact with the magus of the community. Hmm. All right. Horatio? I most certainly shall not let three young women wander the streets of London unattended, that would be ungentlemanly of me. I shall gladly accompany you. Oh, Dr. Jekyll, how gallant you are. <laughs> While Simone is thinking, if there was any trouble at all, we would have to protect a screaming Dr. Jekyll from uh, behind us. Shackled, the words yeah. meat puppet were used, and... You know, they oh, he doesn't, he doesn't blink an eye at that. Turn that of <laughs> No, he's no, well, meant... the, the entire time that we've been talking, he's been looking for fresh graves to uh, maybe get some of his more ambitious students to get some new research materials. I think we can all tell that yeah. uh, Dr. Jekyll has uh, one or two screws loose, so it doesn't really shock any of us. Well, I think all I meant by bringing up meat. His lady again. friend is a malcap. <laughs> <laughs> all I meant by bringing up the word meat puppet again is that if shit goes wrong, in Vampire Kids, my characters have a tendency to scoop up their comrades and run with them. Yeah, that did the happen. The squishy ones. The ones who can't protect themselves. Horatio, at some point I will probably hoist you and run. <laughs> that may be a great hoisting. We and that will make for some excellent RP when yeah. it happens. It's happened twice exactly. in two different campaigns. I will hoist you. It's She's done it to me several times. You will, you will hear me do my best Victorian doctor scrappy-doo when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we? All right. Well, so is, Ash in, is Ash coming? Uh, we're finding oh, out. Yes. Everybody is, is going to break off, and I will bid you all a good evening, Doctor. At some point, I would like to discuss the effects of hydrofluoric acid on infant flesh. At some point, have a good evening. That is the most fascinating subject. I will be happy to discuss that with you, but I believe I am uh, needed elsewhere at the moment. Excellent. I will. I will shake his hand. Just, just so jovial, most yeah. joviality, and then kind of head off towards the church. 
Okay. What, the moment does her no, usual air kiss, uh, farewell to Ash, and then she just goes along her way. You make your way into the quarter. I, I'll just re-describe it real quick. You had to cross over the Thames to get there. Everything, you know, it's it's you're seeing less of the people at night. So you arrive in you arrive at the um, outside of this large brownstone. It's three it's three stories high. Beautiful set of stairs in front of it. Coachman comes out, allows everybody to you know says we have arrived, ma'am. Uh, opens the you know the door, uh, lets everyone out first. Evelyn last, since it's her coach and she was being polite. Uh, and you're standing in front of a door with, which has the Star of David, um, where the knocker would be, uh, and a center door knob, not, you know, off to the left and right, but one that's this large brass twist thing in the center. If you make your way up the stairs, as I assume you would, uh, someone pulls on this small cord, a, a bell goes off inside. There is some lights on in the lower level. They're dimmed a little bit, but um, within a few moments, you know, the door opens a crack a little bit. And you see a woman with a covering over her head, like, you know, which would be normal for a woman coming down in the middle of the evening. Um, she says, yes. Who are you? Why are you here? Good evening. I introduce myself. I'm Christina Sumner and I show her the letter. We have been ordered by our leader, the prince, to speak with a man named Mr. Tevi. She's like, prince? What's it? Who? She looks at the stamp and she's like, always at night, always at night you people come. I don't know. Why do you always come at night? Just step back a moment. Step back. And she shuts the door. Um, she, you see her turn a lamp up much higher from the windows. Um, you're getting much more illumination bleeding out from the house. Um, you see the lights fade away, but other lights are coming on. Um, and the second floor lights also start to illuminate. Um, in about four or five minutes, a man comes to the door and he opens it and he's holding it. And he's always in the middle of the night. What, how could I am, I am Tevi. Uh, please, um, you all bear this seal. Yes, please come in, come in. Um, let me just get my house coat, please. And he shows you into a front sitting room. Um, very, you know, it's, it's nicely you know, laid out, uh, accrued, but it's not overly done, uh, somewhat tasteful. The, um, the desk that's in this room uh, has a blue and white uh, cloth covering it. Uh, there's bookshelves all over the place. And, you know, there's several scrolls um, that are put into, that appear to be poking through the side of this leather satchel that sits on a, uh, on a mantle, beautifully displayed. Uh, you're shown into here. You're given a moment, and then he comes back and says, "I am, uh, I am Rabbi Tevi." He says, um, "How can I help you? What is, what is the nature of your call so late?" Yes, well, uh, Rabbi, I do apologize for the late hour of our calling, but uh, you see, we have been sent on a task most urgent by a mutual acquaintance of ours in search of uh, your good friend Bartholomew. We're hoping that uh, we might be able to have a discussion with you on these matters. Bartholomew, um, oh, I see, I see. Please, all of you sit. Please, I, um, I'm sorry, I should have, uh, make yourself, um, make yourself at home. Um, uh, uh, the door opens and you see this young man of about 
mid twenties. Um, fairly good looking, about five seven, five eight, not overly tall. Lean in and say, "Papa, is everything okay?" And he's like, "Yes, yes. It's um, this is my son. He worries. Uh, please, he says, uh, this is all right. You you may, you may retire. I I these are guests. These are friends." He says, "The son says okay," and he starts to shut the door. And Tabby looks at four of you and says, "Or so I thought at one point. We were all friends." Your benefactor, as it were. Most distressing information he sent to me uh, several nights ago, huh? Why? Why must all of these come into the city now? Why? For some crazy evening? Some night? Some night of pleasure? One that, well, this is, this puts my people at great jeopardy, great danger. And I told Bartholomew this. I am not, we are not happy. We are not pleased. No, no, we are not. Well, uh, my, my good man, you being a rabbi, if I, if I understand correctly, means that you are a learned individual. Myself, I'm also a man of science. Uh, and uh, I find it best not to judge others on their whims and provocations. If uh, this party that they are planning is, I'm sure, all in good fun. And I'm sure that this understanding that you've had with... Uh, with the prince for these long many years is going to be upheld and I'm I'm sure everything will be just fine. Oh, so so you say um but did you you don't know there's uh, I know for a fact from my own the teachings from the Kabbalah that there are several of older members of your so-called community that only require um the blood of the faithful, yes? And you're bringing them to London. This is dangerous for my people, and I, I don't understand it. I, and, uh, but why did not Bartholomew tell him this, to the, the, your friend himself? Why are you here? I don't understand. Oh, Bartholomew seems to have uh, taken a bit of a holiday sorts, and that uh, we've not been able to locate him. That is why we are here to see if uh, when he may have last visited you and the nature of your conversation. He looks yes. at he looks at the women. He looks, uh, you know, at Doctor Jackal and says, "Where would he go? Why would he do such a thing?" Holiday? Well, that is a uh, hard part of what we are trying to figure out, isn't it? Then it was without warning. We're hoping you would have some information regarding his whereabouts, seeing as you are on paper the last person to have seen him before he took his holiday that we know of. Oh, he, um, he did leave something with me, um, and he, the, you've, you truly believe that he is missing, that he is gone. Would not be here otherwise bothering you in the dead of night, sir. Yes, trust me, I'd much rather be in bed myself, but I was told that this was quite urgent business. He walks over behind his desk. He sits down, he opens the drawer, and he's holding a, an envelope. Um, it's somewhat mangled. Um, it looks as if it's been through the, through the dirt, dropped in a pile, you know, in a puddle of beer, um, stepped on, sat on, rolled over, um, you know, maybe even, you know, used to help clean a horse's ass. You just can't tell. The, the, it is just muck. 
basically and and just crunched and disheveled. And he said, he says, I, he left this and uh, he said, should anything happen? But I never thought anything could happen to one such as him. I mean, God has already cursed him enough, hasn't he? I mean, this terrible curse, terrible to all of you. And he throws the, the, the envelope in front on the top front of the desk. And he says, it's, I, I would never have opened it, but he asked me as an old friend that if anyone should come calling and, <clears throat> well, I don't know. There it is. I have I a... go for it. Wait, before you go for it, envelope. I have a quick question um, because my Auspex is at level three. And with that, I can learn something about an object and its previous owner. So can I examine it and see if I can get anything from the letter, maybe yeah. about? So you burn, uh, you'll have to burn a blood point. So we'll go over blood pools and stuff. Everyone's pretty much maxed out because of the refreshments serve. Um, you'll lose one a day. Um, I'm sorry, one an evening as you approach. Doctor, you don't have that issue. Um, so for now, Mel, in, when you, you, you'll burn one tomorrow, you'll be down two when you awaken uh, in the evening. Um, but you fire, the auspex goes off. You sense, you look at it. Um, you see that Barth, you see this hunched over and dis- misshapen hand um, trying to hold the paper and scribble something quickly across it. Um, the words you can't make out because of the way that you're getting the vision from the top of his head. And it definitely appears to be some sort of a Nosferatu, a, you know, the, 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 the hairless skull, skull and scalp with the ears and there's hair coming out the side of one of, you know, the ear, lo- you know, the ears where, you know, the holes are. And he's just, he's just a foul looking thing in, in rags and tattered rags and, and muck. And you see him scrawling and dipping his into this, this quill that's basically got almost no feathers left on it. And he's dipping it into the inkwell and he's scrolling it quickly. And he's, then you see him run and just wet it and, you know, wet it and push it down and try to get it packed. And he puts it inside his, you see his hand, his deformed hand, shovel it into a pocket inside his robes and, you know, his, his, his top. And he starts shambling his way down the sewers. So you definitely, it seems as if he's legit that Bartholomew or a Nosferatu wrote this. Okay. I share my, uh, I share my findings with the group. Um, I just say that it looked like he was in a great hurry. He wrote it, but it was definitely him that wrote it, or at least it was a Nosferatu. Like, do I know what Bartholomew um, looks like? I know that I know. Yeah. So yeah, I say that it was, it was Bartholomew. He wrote this. It looked like he was in a hurry. Um, and then I open up the letter to see what it says. Okay. To, re- to read it. And this is what you see. You can read it out loud. Let me zoom in a little bit. Okay. The la- the words that Bartholomew left for Teve Berkowitz was this. The poet and the painters make allowance for each other. The fading light will illuminate their nefarious deeds. The poet and the painters make allowance for each other. Uh-oh. It sounds very Toreador to me. Well, that's not comforting. Okay. <laughs> and that is where we will call it. A night. Yep. So <laughs> we're sitting in Tevi's office. 
Simona Delatore reads this letter out loud. Everyone turns and sort of stares at her. Ashen Brenner's not there, so he can't be stared at. Good job, Paul. And uh, <laughs> the the other three, the other three vampires saved by the desire to do bad shit. <laughs> and the other three vampires look straight at Simona and are like, "Really now?" And Doctor Jackal's like, "What? What does it say?" Simona um, is wishing very much that she never left Italy. Um, <laughs> she's she could get headaches. She would. <laughs> We have excellent rate. I have excellent rates right now. If you'd like to go, <laughs> so I want to say thank you to all our players for our first session. A um, lot of background stuff, a lot of things we had to get set and sort of laid down and get everybody's, you know, the general gist of where the story is going. Uh, there'll be plenty of surprises coming up, though. I want to say good night and thank you uh, to Lauren, Mel, Kayla, Mike, and Paul. Uh, it was a great session, guys. Thank you very much, and from all of us here at the Bardic College. Hellfire Nights, we wanted to say take care and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Hellfire Nights. You can like, share, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. To help support our network of real play adventure shows, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash the Bardic College. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes reels, interviews with players and storytellers, and exclusive adventures featuring your favorite characters from our shows.